This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are very happy to have you along with us for a wonderful liquor week. Yes. And Dad, what are we doing this week for our liquors? We are doing that liquor that we don't do that much, but your mom said we should do it more. It's called gin. All right. So what gin are you doing and what are your parents? I'm doing the Malfi Con Arisia, and it's an Italian gin. And I also, I kind of went on this Italian theme, so I've got Italian dry sausage, I've got goat cheese with crackers, I have mozzarella cheese wrapped around prosciutto. Okay, that sounds delicious. And then for mine, I'm doing from Caledonia Spirits, the Bar Hill Gin, and I have strawberries and blood oranges macerated in honey. I have a ponzu pork noodle bowl mm-hmm. and then a blood orange kind of pound cake dude yep it's gonna be really we might need to switch because <laughs> my my gin is the blood orange right yeah it is but it's you know citrus goes well with gin so yes, it's gonna yep. all gonna play well together okay so before we jump in we've got to talk about the blind from last week Let's see, that was a beer blind, and I worked through it, you know, I went right off the bat, I said it was, uh, well, <laughs> I said it was a Prairie Arson and Ales chocolate mule, and you go, no. No, it was not. <laughs> we weren't going <laughs> to drink two of those. Right after that, I go, this this is probably a stout, because it's really as dark as that, that beer I just said. And I kept getting confused about, is this a really dark porter, or this is a stout and i worked and worked and worked and then went back and forth and back and forth and then i finally said it's a stout so what was it josh well you hit it right on the head it was the obsidian stout from deschutes brewing okay so yeah you landed you you got there and you you got it correct it did take a long time though it took you a little because <laughs> i went back and forth <laughs> yeah that's what happens when one of the beers is 15 percent mm-hmm yeah yeah, palate was burnt, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And the brain was toast. <laughs> all anyway. Right. All right. So this week, for, you know, continuity's sake, we are going to start with my beverage. And mine is from Caledonia Spirits. It's the Bar Hill Gin. And my pairings are, I have some blood oranges and strawberries macerated in honey. I have a ponzu pork noodle bowl and a, a blood orange kind of pound cake. Oh, it all looks good, Josh. All looks good. So I'm gonna assume there's no order, but that pound cake's probably last. Well, I mean, it would probably go fruit bowl cake. <laughs> yeah, that, that would make the most. <laughs> but sense. you can eat it however, however you really want to. So this gin is clear, like most gins, and I smell it. And I do get that. There's got to be the juniper in there. But I think I'm smelling maybe some blood orange. It could be I've got an optical illusion because of mine. And I did sneak a taste of mine before we started the podcast. <laughs> and, of course, you got the blood orange pound cake. So I'm definitely, I mean, on the nose, you get the alcohol, like 40-something percent, mm-hmm. and the juniper. But as far as other botanicals, they're in the background. But I think there might be some blood orange in there. Yeah, so it's forty. It's forty-five percent, so it's ninety proof. What makes Bar Hill so interesting is they use honey as their base. They raise bees, and they use the honey as the base for their distillate. So when they make it, it's actually made from a honey liqueur. Now, did you say Vermont? Yes, this is from Vermont. I really don't think of Vermont and gin. Well, I here's think a, of, I think of Vermont and maple syrup, so I don't really think of Vermont and distillers. Well, do you really? I mean, if you didn't live in Vermont, would you think of Arkansas as beer uh, or distillate? No, I mean, so <laughs> it doesn't mean. It, I mean, that's kind of a far yeah, that's false correlation, thing, right? yeah. You know, this is that's the great thing about spirits is they can come from anywhere. And mm-hmm. what's really, really cool about this one is they use honey. They use they they grow, they grow honey, and they use the honey as their distillate. 
And then it is a juniper forward gin that they use other botanicals in. And it's, you know, obviously gluten-free and kosher. They now are all gins gluten-free? Yes. I think, yeah. Pretty so, much all distillates are gluten-free. Right. So saying that, it's like, okay. <laughs> Some people want to hear it. Yes, definitely. So they use the raw honey in it as well. And they kind of they kind of custom the botanicals based on how the distillate's coming out. Because honey, you know, is such a is a live product and it from one batch of honey to another it can actually be different depending on what the bees are eating and what's where they're getting the pollen from. So the main the main thing that they do here is it's just a good juniper forward spirit. And they use raw honey as well as part of the botanical group. Okay. So what do you think of it so far? Well, I've tasted it and it's definitely, it's definitely 45% because, you know, you take a little taste. Well, and when you smell it, you get, you get the alcohol smell just a little bit. I didn't burn my nose hairs, but when you taste it, you get that, you get that gin juniper flavor. And it's it's probably an illusion because when you said honey, I think I'm tasting a little honey. No, there's honey in it. That's what I'm saying. You said there's honey in it, so now I'm tasting honey, <laughs> whether whether I am or I'm not. And then the, on the back end, I mean, boom, you get that alcohol, and then that finish is just done, quick. Which is a lot of gin. Yeah, I would think so. And then I tried the fruit. The fruit goes very well with this gin. That's why, you know, a lot of times when we macerate fruit, we macerate it in sugar. Right. In powdered sugar or just raw sugar. But since I knew they used raw honey in their gin, I wanted to complement that by adding honey as the maceration. So you're going to get a little bit of honey in there with the strawberries. And these are... Just like very early season strawberries. Mm-hmm. So they're sweet, but they also have a floral floral mm-hmm. characteristic to them. And so that's where kind of that comes in. And the cake actually in the icing, I put some honey in the icing as well. Oh, okay. To kind of help, you know, thin out the mixture. It's okay. just a box. It's a box blood orange cake from Trader Joe's. Well, it's good. I hadn't tried the cake. I mean, that's, it's got to be good. But you know what happens with that fruit? And so I said something before, but I realized that the fruit complements that gin. But when you're you're eating the fruit and then you taste the gin, the gin just pretty much wipes it away. At least for me. As in like clears your palate, wipes it away, or just makes it disappear? Makes it disappear. Now, what do you think? And I think it's partially... Because of the alcohol? I'm not sure. Yeah, it does kind of disappear into the gin. But that honey, that sweet honey lingers to me. And you get kind of that nice little sweetness to finish. And to me, it also lengthens the finish of the gin. Yes, I would agree with that. Now, I'm trying... Let's see, the noodle, what did you call the noodles? In the so thing? it's a ponzu pork noodle bowl. Ponzu. So I had some, I couldn't find actual pork shoulder, like whole pork shoulders. Mm-hmm. So I got some pork steaks, pork shoulder steaks. And in the pressure cooker, I cooked them with some ponzu sauce, which ponzu is a, a lemon or yuzu based marinade. Asian Asian style marinade, and then some hoisin sauce, some black vinegar, and some stir fry sauce, and then some vegetable stock. I pressure cooked that till it was you know fall apart. Then I used the broth that was left over, mm-hmm. and that's the broth that's in the bowl, but that's also the broth that the noodles were cooked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good food. Now, I haven't tried it with the gin. Yeah, so, you know, story of Bar Hill, you know, they've only been 
they've been doing this since 2011. Okay. <laughs> Their original distillery was 6,000 square feet. And they were in the Bar Hill Nature Preserve. So that's where they get the kind of the name from. And, you know, there's a, there's a beekeeper and a distiller kind of came together to do it. You know, Todd, you know, one of the, one of the partners, his, he has been caring for beehives all across Vermont and he gets contracted to help him out in the world. Oh. And the fermentation specialist, he came in and they partnered together and realized how great using the honey could be. They start. They started with a fifteen-gallon copper still, just a little itty bitty fifteen-gallon oh. wood fire copper still, and they use. They sent it. It's not even a barrel. Yeah, they sent their gin, you know, to different competitions, and they won double gold at one competition and best gin of the year. The best gin of the year was at the Hong Kong International Spirits um, competition. Hong Kong. So, and it's crazy that they use this raw honey and, you know, it makes sense because honey is so botanical. It can be very botanical and very dependent on what's around. And they use that in their gin, which I think is just fantastic. So how's the the pork with the gin? The pork by itself is fantastic. And then when I put the gin with it, it seems it complements it, and then the gin just, again, washes it away. I don't know why. Well, it's what spirits usually do. Mm-hmm. Spirits are more difficult to pair with, in general, mm-hmm. because they kind of will wash over and take over, usually because of their their higher you know, alcohol content or just the stronger flavors that are that come across so that's really good so when we go best on plate sometimes i have to think well what's the best food and if the gin washes everything else away that's the only way you can pick it (laughs) now you just tried the noodles and the pork have you put the gin with it yeah i just did and what happened so the idea behind this pairing was that earthy balance in the citrus to kind of play with the gin. So it plays with the citrus. Well, yeah. So the, the, the ponzu, the citrus, that earthy umaminess, I think was going to play well with the gin because citrus and gin work really well together. I mean, we know that oh, from yeah. gin and tonics. We know that from cocktails. If you think right. about the cocktails, right. it's citrus. It's a right. lot of citrus. So that played in, and I think those pieces hit the gin really well. Like mm-hmm. the citrus brings up the gin really nicely. The earthiness and the umami go after some of those secondary or tertiary botanicals that are there and kind of give the gin a little bit of a bottom base. And then it does, I mean, then it does what alcohol does. It kind of washes it away. But I can still taste the the meat or the, the dish on my palate so it's not like killing it it's not washing it it's still there it's just not it's not prevalent it's not prevalent in it but it's not where the gin was if that makes sense yeah it does make sense so in 2019 they moved from their smaller operation to a to one of the biggest towns in vermont montpelier which is actually also the capital they, you know, being stewards of the bees and stewards of the land, they really are focused on sustainability. Mm-hmm. And because when they moved, they were designing it this way, they made sure to keep that that sustainability in mind. And because, you know, they, they can only probably make as much gin as the bees allow. And if they've got, you know, if hives aren't doing well for a year, they may not be able to make as much. Or, mm-hmm. and it's um, they're also doing a vodka, a a vodka with the raw honey base as well. Okay. And the vodka takes three pounds of honey to make 
one 750 milliliter bottle. Oh my goodness. So if you think about that and how, I mean, they're a huge, they're a huge purveyor of gin. But if you think about that and how much honey, how much raw honey they're, they're using, they have to be, you know, they have to keep their eye on that sustainability for what is, because otherwise they're just not going to be able to make it. Mm -hmm. They also make what's called the Tomcat gin, Mm -hmm. which is barrel aged. So they take the same, they take the same honey they take the same gin. It's distilled in every same way, but then they age it for six months in new American oak barrels. Oh, wow. So the same type of barrel that would be used in bourbon, yeah, they're aging. But it's not a bourbon barrel. It's a new. Yeah. It's okay. the same barrel that bourbon, like they could put bourbon into it, but they're putting gin. Well, it's like Rocktown's gin. He puts it in a bourbon barrel, not a new barrel. Yeah, he uses it after. They're right. using new barrels. Interesting. And there are. Well, I don't really get any vanilla notes. That's not this one. Uh uh-uh. uh. Okay. That's okay. the Tomcat. That's, That's the, the Tomcat, a different one. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. And it's dark. Like, it's darker than that Kentucky. Yeah, it would have to be. It's darker than that Kentucky Tavern over there. Oh, uh, okay. So, okay. It's a very good gin, and it's a popular gin. It's a great cocktail gin because you do get all those, the flavors that you want from a good gin. And then there's just a little bit something different about it. On the shelf, this is about a $40 gin. Oh, wow. 40 to $45 well, gin. I guess it has to be expensive because when you're using honey, that's such a commodity in today's market. I mean, if you go buy honey, uh, you know, you get cheap honey at Kroger's. I don't know the prices because I don't do that. But you're going to spend money. And then if you go and get really, really good top shelf honey, you're going to pay probably four or five times what this Kroger honey. Yeah. So you got to factor that in on this gin. Right. And this is, you know, this is more of an artisan's gin. Exactly. It's not Tangeray. It's not oh, Bombay. No. Nothing against those, but it's not. Yeah. It's not. London they're Bride. made in, mm-hmm. they're made in such a different way. Yeah. Well, they're made in such larger in mass quantities that that's it's the, easier. That's the other thing. Supply and demand. When the supply is small, you got to have a higher price. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of the cake? Well, I'm a little disappointed in the cake itself. I was hoping for a lot more of the orange, the blood orange taste. It's a very good cake. It's moist. It's got a nice little icing on it, the honey that you added to it. And then paired with the gin, just like we said, it's hard to pair gin with food. And it's like, you know, I asked Joanne about that the other day. It's, you know, when you're in London and you're getting gins, what food do they bring you? Nothing. No, it's a cocktail. Exactly. It's not like Italy where you go and you get a cocktail and they bring you that plate of food. And so it's like... That's also just one of the differences between England and Italy. Italy. Exactly. Like the f- food culture versus... Exactly. Meal meal culture versus like cocktail culture. Well, exactly. And, and so this isn't really a cocktail, but it's a gin. And it's like, if you're going to sip it straight, which is what we're doing... You really don't need food. You're gonna you're gonna savor those flavors, savor the honey that's in there, savor the juniper. Just you know, that's what you do. That's good. The cake is good with So it. no, what I did was Oh. <laughs> you know rum cakes, right? Soaked cake and rum. Oh, did you pour it on there? I poured a little bit onto the piece that was in my on my fork. And it's really nice because you get that sweetness and then that that hint of juniper comes through and kind of just livens everything up. And that mm-hmm. that's I mean that that's a very interesting way to do it. I wouldn't do it with this gin personally because the the price of the gin. But 
It's now uh, I got crumbs in my Josh. Look what you did to me. I got crumbs down in my glass now. Yeah. Do you know what? I, did you hear what I said though? I poured, poured it on over. The, I know, and but you I didn't dip. I didn't. Ha- <laughs> I dipped because I didn't have much gin left. <laughs> I've been enjoying the gin. Man, don't don't blame me about your crummies then. <laughs> mm-hmm. But this is a really good gin, and I love you know the ethos behind being sustainable. But also, I love honey, and I love that they're using this wonderful natural product into gin. And to me, it's not an overly juniper gin either. Mm-hmm. It's very well balanced. So for a non-gin drinker, which we are both, this is kind of at that threshold for me of the juniper. Mm-hmm. I could, I might be able to do a cocktail with this. I probably wouldn't do a gin and tonic with it. I'm never going to do a Negroni because they're disgusting. I don't care what people say. <laughs> well, you're not going to use a $40 bottle of gin with a Negroni. Why not? Don't you want to use I mean, the I'm best not, quality ingredients? Well, I've had I've had it with botanist as far as a botanist Negroni, and yes, it's very good. And all the all the botanicals I'm getting, but it's like I'm not going to go over there and get Monkey Forty Seven, which I think is like seventy or eighty dollars now, and make a Negroni. What are you going to do with it? You gonna just drink it straight? No. What the Negro? Oh, the Monkey Forty Seven. I think that's that would to me, you know, your uncle, my brother-in-law, has doesn't do Monkey Forty Seven, but he does Hendrix, and Hendrix price has gone way up there. And so, what does he do? He doesn't drink gin and tonics with it. He has a Hendrix Martini, and so I think that's what you would do with your Monkey Forty Seven. Are we? I'm out. Do you have any more to talk about? No, I just think it's a. It's very good. It's readily avail. It's readily available in most places too. So, pick up a bottle. I I haven't tried it, but I've heard the Tomcat is really really good, especially if for people who like stuff that's been barrel aged. Yeah, and I can see how that would be really good. Do you know the price of Tomcat? It's probably in the low fifties. Yeah, it's gonna be more. If I had to guess. So, but yeah, no, nothing else. Okay. Nothing else for me. Well, I guess we're going to have to switch over. All right. So let's switch over. Remind us what your gin is and what your pairings are. So my gin is called the Malfi, M-A-L-F-Y, Con Aresia. And what that means is with orange in Italian. And so, for the sides, I have Italian dry sausage. I have goat cheese with crackers. It's just plain old goat cheese. I I bought both goat. I have goat cheese, and then I have herb goat cheese. And I thought, well, no, I'm just going to go straight goat cheese. And then I have the mozzarella cheese wrapped in prosciutto. So, it's a beautiful, beautiful color. So I'm going to ask this because it is a beautiful color. Is there any artificial coloring added? I never, I never Googled that specifically, but they use Sicilian blood oranges. Is it on the back label? It'll be on the back label if they've got, in America, it'll be on the back label if there's a natural color. I just get the normal, uh-oh, uh-oh, <clears throat> contains certified color. Okay, so there is a little bit of color. Damn. Thank you, you, John. Well, no, it's just, I was just curious because this is an amazing color. Like, it's it's such a good color. And I was very, I was curious. Because it'd be very hard to get a natural color like that. Well, sorry, I thought it was very natural colored. That's okay. Okay, thanks. Okay. I didn't mean to. I'm done. (laughs) I'm not saying it's going to be bad. It was just a question. It's a really good question. I never even really thought about that because blood orange is in there. Not only is blood orange in there, orange is in there, blood orange is in there, juniper is in there, and then they say four other botanicals, and they never list them. Yeah, gin gin makers are fairly secretive about their recipes. All right, have you given it a nose yet? I haven't because I was smashing some more of my 
noodle bowl. And you were you were Ooh, smashing man. me about certified <laughs> Okay, so here's okay, so here's why I asked. So yeah. I was talking to a bartender earlier this week. Okay. And we were talking about one of the Faccia Bruto products that we've talked about on the show before. It was their aperitivo. Uh-huh. And he was he would was asking about it because Campari has natural color has coloring added to it. Yeah. Which I didn't know. I didn't know. And that's why I was I didn't cur- know that either until I did some research. And it was one of those things that just made me curious. And, you know, not that it's going to bother me. I mean, I grew up eating Skittles, and I still eat Skittles and Starburst to this day. I was just curious. It just makes me wonder now about so things key, that have color. The key word me. is certified color. Now, I'm not sure what that means. I'm going to have to maybe Google it. It probably just means that it's food-safe coloring. Well, it would have to mean it's safe. Yeah, I mean, you know. I mean, we don't need to go down the rabbit hole of this because the gin smells wonderful. It has a beautiful citrusy nose to it. It has that blood orange, delicious nose. And there's not much juniper that comes through. No. Certified color additives are substances tested and certified by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for use in imparting color to food or this. Right, so, so right. it's been tested. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's not. I mean, it like it wasn't an indictment on the gin before we even tried it. It was just well, I was curious. Uh, there was a was a scare back when I was probably uh, maybe graduated from high school. It was like food coloring number twenty seven, red dye number red forty, dye, something like that. Yeah, and so you know they found out it was bad. I'm going to go on a sidebar here for a minute while you snack and pair. Your mother had a fantastic gym party last night. Mm-hmm. So she invited eight people and then herself would be nine. Uh, one couldn't come. And as that turned out, it was fine because she had eight different gins. Okay. And the way the party started is we made. Hopefully I get this right. Uh, we made a wait a minute. First was gin and tonic. There was yeah, there was a welcome gin and tonic. Everybody brought their own tonic, and then the gin and tonic was with they got to choose between tang tanginer or bottles. And so you know she had to go through you know the difference between the two, and then people made their own gin and tonic, and we sat out on the patio. I say we. I'm the hired help, but I I did uh, I did try a little bit, and there was one person that had never done gin. She went away home, and at the end of the evening, she's texting Joanne. Now, what was that gin that we had later? Blah blah blah. So <laughs> she sold somebody on gin, mm-hmm. and then kind of the rest of the story. And I'm not trying to make this long, but I'll cut it down a little bit. They had eight different gins. There was eight different people. They went around the room tasting and smelling gin number one to the first person, gin number two to the second person, et cetera, et cetera. And it it was interesting, and I don't have the bottle with me, so don't ask a whole lot of questions, but there is a bottle of gin that, I don't know if Marie picked this up for her mom. The African gin? No, that was the one she picked up. Uh, this one was the whale. Oh yeah, from California, mm-hmm. and it has not only the it has like seaweed and, and different California. Yeah, it's a light blue bottle. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. But that was the winner, according to those eight people, which is quite interesting. Yeah. And then we made giblets for them, and a lot of them had thought, you know, I had my first giblet uh, just a few weeks ago. And uh, no one said, you know, I used to drink those, and they just, I, I just forgot about them. <laughs> yeah, they went out of favor. Uh-huh. Weren't they traditionally served with a cocktail onion? I do not know, Josh. I know Mom would never do that, but. Oh, no, no. And I think on the show, I did the Hemingway gimlet, which was much, much stronger than what. You did a Hemingway. You- Hemingway, I you've said. done the Hemingway daiquiri. Uh, I don't think you've ever. I don't think you ever did a Gimlet. 
Did you? Uh, I think I think so. Yeah, because it has grapefruit in it, which is crazy because he didn't like Kimmel. No lime. That's anyway. His. That's his. Okay. Anyways. And anyway, and then and then the the last drink, and some people left because they needed to, but the last drink was the sidecar with Empress Gin. And if you don't know, listeners, about Empress Gin, it's a blue purple colored gin. And so it's very distinct that way. And it's naturally colored because it has uh, pea flower extract in it. Yes. Which is what makes it which is what makes it purple, but then when you add an acid to it, it changes colors to pink. Right. Which is really cool. That's why a lot of people use it in cocktails because you can see the change or you can manipulate it to where it'll change as you drink the cocktail. Well, it's kind of like, it's it's different, but it's kind of like ouzo. You can take ouzo, and then you put water in ouzo, and all of a sudden it gets real cloudy. Yeah. So there's th- there's really neat stuff going on. So I've been talking a lot. Have you tried anything yet? Yeah, so first the gin. It is, it's very citrus forward. It does have a nice chunk of juniper in it, but citrus is definitely the flavor that it, Mm-hmm. Kind of mostly comes across. Mm-hmm. So the I had the salami first. Okay. The fat of the salami brought out the sharp botanicals. And when I say the sharp, you know, it's like the sharp lemon, the like harsh, fell a little harsher. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the alcohol on this? 41.5, I think. Okay. So it brought out. It brought out kind of a, a harshness to the gin that... No, 41% straight. Okay. It brought out a harshness to the gin that I didn't really care for. The goat cheese did better with it. The acidity kind of counteracted some of that acidity in the gin. But this is a very dry gin, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of sweetness going on in it. Not a lot of... Um, it's kind of linear. Explain that. So when it come, when like when I take a drink of it, like the flavors like march in a straight line through my mouth. Mm-hmm. Like I get the citrus, I get the juniper, I get like lemon peel, I get like some other herbs and spices that I can't identify. It's very linear in the mouth, and the acid of the goat cheese and the cream of the goat cheese kind of round the gin a little bit. So I'm having the mozzarella and the prosciutto, and I'm kind of getting some of the same thing that you described with the goat cheese. There's a little bit of acid. Not as I haven't tried the goat cheese, and I hadn't tried the sausage. But there's a little bit of acid with that mozzarella cheese. And so the, the gin... Neither, you know, nothing I've, you know, I'm, this is not a pride, but this gin doesn't seem to wash stuff away. So the, the prosciutto and the mozzarella cheese, they pair fairly well. The blood orange, so it's like, I wanted, I should have put some blood oranges, sliced up some, and we could have tried a blood orange with this, but I think it would just, it would just be boom, boom, the same thing. And I like that that mozzarella on that cheese and and the prosciutto. For me, it it gets very like it presents the pith or the zest of the orange. So there's a there's a bright bitterness that's there with a light bit of orange characteristic. But the goat cheese, like when you have the goat cheese by itself, you know, and it's able to kind of coat the mouth. It really brings out that that uh, blood orange and light juniperiness of it. I just took some of the goat cheese, and there is huge acid. <laughs> huge. And now I'm going to try the gin with it. What you would you say happens? Now you taste it, and you tell me what happens. So, I got, a, I got that sweetness of the gin, trying to counteract that acid. And they, they kind of, they kind of get even. And then what happens is the alcohol takes over with with the blood orange. 
Okay. Is that kind of what you said? Well, for me, it just like I get all the blood orange taste. Like that's the the gin turns into like a blood orange, like Salerno turns into like a blood orange liqueur. Oh, okay. This is really good. Mm-hmm. It is very good. So, when was the first time you ever had this gin? Last night. <laughs> really? No. Um, I don't remember. I mean, I had it last night. Yeah. <laughs> when was the first time you had it? So, the first time I had it was about a year ago. Okay. And I think I had it in, wasn't like a, I think it was like a blood orange French 75 oh, that somebody okay. was doing. Okay. Which I usually prefer my French 75s with cognac. Right. But then when I saw the blood orange piece of this, I was like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and give that a try. And that blood orange flavor comes through really well. It's just, to me, this is a, a more indicative of a drier gin, mm-hmm. which I'm not a fan of the style mm-hmm. But when it comes to gins. I like the, like the Bar Hill where it's got a lot going on, or a little bit more of kind of the aromatic, mm-hmm. aromatic, less juniper regions, clean, really clean gin. Okay. So where does this come from? Italy. So it was established in 1906, based in Montecalioia. I probably just forward that. Sitting just outside the city of Torino. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you know where Torino is? Torino is in the far north of Italy. Okay. Which is surprising because blood oranges come from the south. The south they come of from Italy. Sicily. Yeah. <laughs> and then in 1992, Carlo Ronaldo bought it, and he started making it and made it uh, his family affair with his wife and his uh, daughter. So it's been around a while, and they, you know, they have. A little saying, and I kind of like this, for this particular gin. If you're craving that fantastic feeling of sunshine, (laughs) then we have just the taste for you. Italian oranges combined with a selection of ripe Cilician blood oranges blended with the finest botanicals and hand-picked juniper to create a succulent and vibrant flavor. I kind of agree with that. Really, it's really neat that they do that. Now, we of course we get that bitterness from the citrus, and then we get that blood orange, and it's that beautiful ruby red color. Very distinctive. Very yeah. distinctive. Yeah, you can pick this out from across the liquor store. Yeah, when oh, it's yeah. on the shelf. Yeah, all you have to do is look. And say, oh, there it is, because there's color. So what cocktails have you had? I know you do a Negroni, but what other cocktails have you ever done or have you kind of seen? I mean, we talked about the sidecar. We've talked about the gimlet. We've talked a little bit about French 75. What are some other cocktails that you've seen at the bars well, or had noticed that people drink with gin? Well, I haven't really noticed, but I, I think when we get to the Amalfi Coast, we'll ask for this mouthy gin and 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 maybe just get a gin spritz and see how that because mm-hmm. i think that would be really good and i started to bring i don't i don't know the name of the tonic water it's not tonic water it's uh soda club the soda, so, the soda water mm-hmm. that has blood orange in it oh the san pellegrino Sal Pellegrino soda water with the blood orange, I think would make a wonderful spritz with this gin. Well, Mom made a gin fizz with it a couple weeks ago, I thought, where you had this gin, some lemon juice, some soda, and then some of that sparkling. Mm -hmm. And I think she even topped a little Prosecco on there. Now, for the her gin fizz. So that... You and she were at the... um, We were at Hill Station. Yeah, Hill Station, and they did a drink. Was it a spritz? It's a fizz. It was a fizz? Gin fizz. So so the difference between a fizz and a spritz, a fizz uses soda water or some sort of 
is you know effervescent water, whereas mm-hmm. a spritz uses prosecco. Okay, so that's the major difference there. So you could do, you could do a, like you're saying, a blood orange spritz with this, which I think would definitely be good. I think you'd want to add a little bit of sweetness in there, mm-hmm. or make sure your prosecco has some sweetness to it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because this is like like I keep saying, this is a very dry gin. There's not a whole lot of sweetness to this gin. Right. So if you're going to use it in a cocktail, just think about that. Like, because if you're going to use the Bar Hill, the Bar Hill has natural sweetness to it because of the honey. Because of the honey that's in there, so you're gonna ha- you're not going to need as much in your in your cocktail. And that's one of the interesting things about doing these doing these spirits neat, right? Is you can really think about like if I am going to make a cocktail with it, right? How how I can manipulate it to be different. Another cocktail they show here is is Dos Avita Spritz. Okay. And it has, of course, this this mouth off, mouthy, and uh, Pellegrino, Limonada. Yep. And then uh, Prosecco. Mm-hmm. And I think that Limonada, that would have some sweetness to it. And, of course, the Prosecco would. Mm-hmm. Now, the Limonada would have the lemon to mix with it. I think that would be a really good spritz. Yeah, so what they're doing is they're using those Pellegrino together. Whereas if you don't have it and you just have club soda, you'd use a little bit of lemon juice, some club soda, a little bit of simple syrup. Right. Those things are so good anyway, the the Pellegrino waters. And those ones have real fruit in them. What about a Bellini with this? I don't know, because Bellinis are peach. Bellini is usually just a peach peach puree and Prosecco. So, uh, this, well, the, they they put this, what they do is 25 milligrams, that's like an ounce, and then 15 milligrams, which is like about half, a, an, ounce. half an ounce of peach puree, and then about three ounces of Prosecco. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. That doesn't sound bad at all. So I, I think there's a lot of different cocktails you could use this with. Yeah, I mean, you've got a Tom Collins. You could you could make some sort of Tom Collins, a Gin Ricky. Like, gin, gin is a widely used spirit in cocktails. So I think there's, there's a lot that you can use. Anything else about, I mean, I'm out. Oh, you're right. Well, <laughs> we can pour some more. I'm, a, I'm okay, because I know <laughs> I've still got a blind to do. Oh, that's right. So, are you? Is there anything else you want to tell us about yours? Or are you ready to ta- start talking best on plate? One other sidebar about the uh, about the little gin party last night is everyone was supposed to bring an appetizer, and so we had a varying set of appetizers, and it was amazing. You know, nobody. I, I don't think any of this crew really did. Now, I'm not talking bad about any of y'all, if you're listening. They brought an appetizer, and so we had different ones. It's like, you know, a, a spinach dip, a, a artichoke dip, smoked salmon, just all kind, you know, just all kinds of things. And it was really fun to try the different gins with all those different appetizers that they brought. Yeah. Now, I didn't do a best on plate because <laughs> there were eight different gins. Of course, we didn't, you know, these ladies knew not to not to do a, a jigger of each one. So they were just taking little bitty, you know, mini tastes. And that was part of the fun of the party of the eight different gins. So I, I think they had a really great time. Yeah. Sounds like it was a great time. All right. Best on plate. All Are right. you ready? Yes. You go first on your plate. So I really liked the pork noodle bowl in the gin. I think it it was very interesting how the the citrus came through and that umami worked with the gin itself. All right, so what about for you? I love that dish. I didn't quite get the citrus in the dish that you did. Uh, I'm not the uber taster that you are. So my best on plate for your your plate and your gin was the actual uh, macerated fruit in the honey. 
Okay. Because to me, the fruit and the honey brought out the honey that was in your gin. And I kept saying that I your gin might have. <laughs> I'm totally wrong, I know, but it just seems like that macerated fruit and especially those blood oranges that were in there with the honey yeah. went so well. Yeah, it was, it was really good. It was really good. All right. On your plate, my favorite pairing was the goat cheese. The goat cheese, to me, made that gin more of a gin that I wanted to drink. Now, for people who love dry gin, it's gonna be, it would be probably completely different. But for me, that the pairing of the goat cheese and the way it like worked with coating my mouth and bringing out really the, the blood orange was, was the best for me. I have to agree, John. I thought at first that the, the mozzarella cheese wrapped around the prosciutto was going to be the best and be the best of the world. But goat cheese, you finally did. <laughs> you really brought out that acidity and then the sweetness of the gin that had the, the orange and the blood orange and the juniper. And then they made it so well. And then, like I said earlier, all of a sudden they're together. And then, boom, we go on the sidebar of there's that blood orange. Yeah. And it, it kind of took over. Mm-hmm. And then you had the alcohol. And it's only 41%. So you didn't. You didn't get any burn or anything, but you had that finish that went really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I think it's time for the blind. All right. We'll get it poured up. All right. So dad has brought me a clear distillate. So can't really do much on the side of it. <laughs> it's a clear distillate. There are, you know, slow fat legs. So, uh, we know the alcohol is going to be up there. All right. So, this is a clean smelling spirit. And I don't really be, seem to be any faults along the spirit, the smell of spirit itself. Like, very clean. There's some high citrus notes. There's some almost like piney, almost some like pine, pine notes to it. Um, let's give it a taste. Okay. Very clean, very light flavored spirit here. I'm kind of sticking with that. Light citrus, light botanical, light kind of piney smell to it. Hmm. There's not a lot to this. Which is making me want to say vodka. But there's more than I would expect in a vodka. There's no distinct specific flavoring to it, which makes me say it's not some sort of liqueur that sometimes they'll come out clear, some sort of schnapp style uh, beverage that's clear. Um, Give it another smell. I mean, there's, there's some like light juniper. There's some, like I said, there's light juniper, light citrus, but there's not a whole lot on the palate. And because it's giving off a smell that's not just straight alcohol, and there's some, those botanicals are light on the palate. Yeah, the botanicals are light on the palate. This is a gin. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to go like a style of gin. Well, I'm not going to say where it's from. I just said there were eight gins in mom's cabinet. No, there were eight gins on mom's table. There are about 12 gins in this house. Okay. All you got to do is pick one of 12. Yeah, and I'm not going after that person. <laughs> okay. okay. I mean, it, it's, a right. dry, it's a dry style gin, so if I, it's not, it doesn't. Don't, don't go there. Okay. <laughs> so it's a gin. It is a gin. Listeners, you'll have to come back, not next week. But in two weeks. But in two weeks to find out if he's right or wrong about this. So what are we doing next week? Uh, next week is going to be a cocktail week, and we are going to do smoked cocktails. Now, this is not smoking the glass. I can't talk you into that. I've been trying. But this is, I got a new toy. 
And this is a cocktail that you add smoke to. Have you decided what cocktail you're doing, Josh? Uh, I'm gonna kind of do. I'm gonna do a riff on a martini. I'm not exactly sure how it's gonna work out yet, or the full flavors, but I'm gonna do some sort of play on a martini with smoke. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. What about you? I'm gonna do an old fashioned, and I've got a real good idea of what I'm doing, and I'll just reveal that next week. But it's my take. It's kind of my. My old fashioned that uh, I came up with based on a different recipe. And then we smoke them and then we drink them. <laughs> it's kind of that sound. I mean, that's right? kind of how making a cocktail works. <laughs> but remember, we really appreciate y'all being here with us along the journey. I mean, we're creeping up on 150 episodes now. And we just really appreciate all, the, all of you guys listening and following along remember we're out there on all the socials if you like what we're doing we'd really love for you to give us a, a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform hit the like button to subscribe if you really like what we're doing uh, if you want to reach out to us remember we're out there on all the socials or just at acquired tastings at gmail.com so for all of us here at acquired tastings once again this was a good one <laughs> yeah you know we did we're not gin drinkers no, we're not. But it was this was a really good gin episode. It was. It and was. We've done one or two before. One. Well, I think we did one with mom, and then we did one by ourselves. Okay. Because she she wanted to make sure that we knew about what dry London dry gin was, and so she I, she was on the show and we did a gin. Episode. I think that was we did one by ourselves. I think that was one of the ones where I was absent. Oh, maybe. Okay, maybe it was. Okay, so thank you, listeners, and as far as acquired tastings, I'm Josh Mills. This is John Mills, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, and goodbye.